Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the Successful Aging Academy podcast. I've got a great guest for you today. I'm really excited to introduce Dan Ritchie. Uh, I've known Dan for quite a number of years now. Dan is the president and co-founder of the Functional Aging Institute. They uh, certify trainers, actually, in up to, uh, Dan, I think you said 18 different countries now, specifically to work with an older population. Uh, Dan also has his Ph.D., from Purdue University, which um, you know, I, I know you got the you want to get the plug in there for your uh, famous uh, co alumni. Uh, we could talk about that in a second. Um, but uh, Dan, welcome aboard. Uh, it's great to have you. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, I love being here. Great, great. Um, so let's talk about. I want to dive right into this. Uh, you used some terminology recently on a conversation we had, um, which I like, and I'm probably going to blatantly steal. Uh, I, I love the term because this applies to anyone who's going to be listening to this podcast. You talk about functional aging trajectory, uh, and I love that term because really you get the good visual there of where you're heading, um, you know, across a horizon, as it were. But um, can you tell us a little bit how you came up with that, and and, and some of the ways that people need to be thinking about their trajectory yeah so the, the functional aging trajectory is, is not something we came up with um it, it came out actually in the late 90s at uh, a world congress aging event um and, and basically it's it's something we all know right i mean we're all born we physiologically mature there's some debate as to, to what age that is right is it 18 is it 25 is it is it 35 right in, in some sports it's it's definitely later Mm-hmm. Um, in some sports, it's earlier, right? Um, you, you and I, um, unfortunately, have to agree that we're past our peak. <laughs> yeah, sadly. On the downward slope of that physiological trajectory. And so what we look at is, but what's the trajectory after our physiological peak, right? Our, our 30s, 40s, 50s, as we begin to decline and our health starts to change, um, are we on a trajectory that's going to take us into our 80s, 90s, even hundreds, um, still above uh, a disability threshold, still above uh, a functional limitation, uh, or are we going to be on a trajectory that plunges us into early disability and plunges us into a, a life of dependent living? And so there's quite a bit of diversity as we see people age, right? Why is it that some people age really, really well into their 90s and are still doing crazy things like water skiing and wakeboarding in their 90s? And other people are in a nursing home in their early 80s. And so we look at that and say, well, what does the science show us? What does the research show us? What does the evidence show us is the huge difference between these people? Um, The vast majority of it is lifestyle. We realize that 90 doesn't mean you have to be frail, right? Uh, In fact, you can be frail at 65 years old. Um, And so we realize that the difference in this path of trajectories um, has a number of reasons, right? Some of it is is illness, some of it is, is, is chronic conditions, um, and a lot of it is lifestyle and choices, right? Our, our, our choice every day in terms of how much we move and what food we put in our bodies and how much we sleep and how we deal with stress and, and our environment and our relationships and just so many factors uh, that, that impact what our remaining years look like. Right. And in fact, when you look at the chart, it's interesting. People in their 50s and 60s are still way, way up there uh, on their functional ability. Um, sure, right. they're not their peak anymore. Right. But I mean, we still see this in sports. Right. And we're always like amazed when someone in their 50s does something. Right. And, and certain sports um, like tennis and golf and some of the sports that aren't 
quite as physically punishing. We see people in their late 30s and their 40s, even in their 50s, um, sometimes competing and surprising us because guess what? In our 40s and 50s, we're still at a really, really high functional capacity. Um, and so it's just an interesting chart that usually makes people realize, aha, uh -huh, there's a lot of choices that I make in my 30s, my 40s, my 50s that impact my next three, four, or five decades. And so we just want people to be thinking about that. Right. And that's, and that's what, something I, I say often is that the choices we're making now are lifestyle choices for decades from now. And that's what people, people sometimes, of course, don't make that connection saying this, this pattern that I'm doing that I know is maybe a negative pattern. Well, it's got long-term repercussions. And then, uh, so once they realize that, then they can realize that it is these choices. It's not as, as we said, the chronological age that means that much. It just doesn't. I mean, around this area, I'm in, I'm in north of Boston. And of course, in this area, the big news is, you know, Tom Brady continuing to play at an elite level, certainly as all, yeah, I don't know, people would argue whether it's as good as he's ever been, but he's, he's certainly right there. And that trajectory, he's an example of somebody who's taken that trajectory under his control, which is another concept that people don't think, you know, people think that aging just happens to them, right? And, and this is that they have not so much influence over that. So I, I like, um, you know, really putting it, what you're doing and your work that you do puts it back, really puts it back on the individual to make those choices and not accept all of this decline and frailty, as you say, as inevitable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're, you're, you're totally right. So much of it is under our control. Um, now, there are some things that aren't right. I mean, um, you know, we get we get injured playing a sport, right? Or you know, we we're in a car accident, right? Or we get cancer. Uh, I mean, there are things that come along uh, in life that are r road bumps, right? I mean, it's sort of like I, I didn't expect to tear my ACL when I was 35 years old. Um, exactly. But how do we respond to those things, right? I mean, we we can bounce back from those things. We can train. We can recover. We can rehab and say, I'm going to be the best version I can be. Or we can go the other way, right? We can say, oh, well, I'm in my 40s or 50s, so, you know, there's nothing I can do, right? Uh, I'm not going to recover from this car accident or this injury or whatever it happens to be. Um, and when that happens, we make a significant change in our trajectory, right? We, we basically say, and you hear people say this all the time, oh, well, I'm su such and such age, so therefore I can't expect to be able to do a certain thing. And they, they bought into a mindset of a different trajectory of aging. And, and I just say, none, yep. of that, none of that's true. You've, you've bought some concept of what it's like to grow old that isn't true, uh, isn't based on science. And you can bounce back from all sorts of things. Um, and so we have to make sure, um, we just have to make sure we're really thinking about how can we live our best years, right? Whether it's yeah. in our 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s, each and every decade uh, can be tremendous. And that, and that aspect that you touched on there is so, so important, that resiliency. Um, you said some people have it innately. Some people can learn it, though. People don't think that that's just the way I am. It's like, no, you can learn to be more resilient when these issues come up. I mean, uh, a lot of people know uh, my story. I, I've told it to you where I uh, just last year, just over a year ago, ruptured both quad tendons at 56 years old. And it was really traumatic. I mean, it was a major surgery. I had to be in front of a surgeon, one on each knee. I did both quads at the same time. I had a surgeon on each knee within 15 hours of the incident. 
because tendons will contract, as some people may or may not know. You have to get on them right away. It's not like a ligament, which will kind of stay in place for ages. But anyway, the 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 ability to come back from that, unfortunately, because of my background in the field that I'm in, had a, you know enough knowledge to put a program together and stay on it and realize the consistency required to bounce back. But a lot of people, you're right, that would be an event where like, oh, gosh, well, that kind of, I guess that's going to happen. And what do I do now? And they kind of, you see these people every day who just, they give up. You know, they, they, they've they accepted a certain trajectory and a certain uh, state of health and they just kind of go with it. And I'm like, well, that's, it's so, it's so go against that what we're trying to do here with the Functional Aging Institute, with the Successful Aging Academy is really the, that, that attitude is the antithesis of what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I'll share, share a story with you. I had a, a gal come in she, who was, 72, 73, early 70s, and she had already given up on the idea of going to the Galapagos Islands, right? Like, it's too late for me. I'm I'm not going to be able to do that. And I I looked right at her, and I knew she knew Joanne, which was really helpful. I said, said, well, I know you know Joanne, and I know you know we trained her to go to the Galapagos Islands. And she was 80 when she went, and (laughs) I know you know that she has Parkinson's disease, right? Wow. And the look on her face, I mean, it was literally, it was sort of like I had slapped her upside the head, and she she had this this almost like seven-year-old kid's excited look on her face, like, you mean you think I can still do it? And I was like, I I don't think you can do it. I know you can do it. I've done it with other people much older than you with Parkinson's disease, right? Like, you absolutely (laughs) can do it, right? And so it totally changed her outlook, right? I mean, immediately she was like, well, so if this is possible, what do I need to do, right? And I said, well, you need to do all the things that we did with Joanne, right? We will train you. Um, you don't have to be that functionally fit to go to the Galapagos Islands. You have to be able to hike like a mile, right? I mean, it's not even that robust. Um, mm-hmm. And so pretty quickly, I completely flipped her mindset to I'm too old to do what I had hoped to do to you're not too old, right? Like your age number is not the issue, right? It's you just have to get trained and ready and prepped to do it you can absolutely do it and so we can absolutely uh flip our thinking sometimes we just need someone to wake us up and make us realize no there's lots of things i can still do lots of adventures still to come um absolutely prepare my body to do it yeah absolutely and and you know what's important i think to distinguish there is because she had like you said that's a great story you know people just accepting one one mindset over another um, and you told me, you mentioned something earlier that I, I wanted to get a clarification out to people. You talked about like a disability threshold before we launch into any, any other stories is what, what does that mean briefly, uh, a disability threshold? Yeah. So as we see people age, uh, people begin to cross different disability thresholds. Now there are thresholds for so many different things. And when we do disability inventories with people, it's things like, Art, do you have trouble uh, opening a heavy door, right? Or can you open, uh, you know, jars? Uh, right. Do you have trouble putting stuff up on a shelf? Can you climb stairs? Stairs, yeah. Can you climb yep. stairs without a railing? Can you climb stairs carrying something, right? I mean, different levels of tasks, right? Can you get down on the floor, right? Some people can't get down on the floor. And then, of course, the tricky one, can you get up from the floor, right? How much trouble do you have getting out of a chair, in and out of a car, Right. Um, mowing the lawn, raking the lawn. I mean, you, you can list a hundred different activities, right? And sure. then you ask people how much difficulty they have doing those, right? And so people start to cross certain disability thresholds, right? Like, well, 
I can climb stairs, but I have to have a railing for at least one hand, right? Or I can climb stairs, but I really need two railings to hold on to, right? Or I can climb stairs, but only if it's six steps at a time, right? And so we start to see different thresholds pass, right? And so we're just looking for markers of, have you passed any of these disability thresholds? Even things like, can you walk a block, right? Can you walk a sure. mile? Can you? There's so many different tasks um, that we could list. Um, some of them are th- get real simple to, to, to real basic tasks when you start to realize if somebody's crossed the threshold of, of dressing themselves, right, of going to the bathroom themselves, of bathing themselves, now they're really getting into d- dependent living where they need someone to help them. Um, but a lot of tasks that we don't think a whole lot about like well yeah I, I can't go up and down stairs carrying something right that's a disability threshold right we should mm-hmm. go up and down stairs carrying stuff right how do you how do you take your laundry up and down stairs oh, right I, I can't i had to move the laundry room or, or i had to move out of my home into a single story home because i couldn't go up and down stairs carrying stuff right so that's a disability threshold gotcha yeah and and we'll talk about uh, in a minute here, we'll talk about what categories those little disability thresholds put you in, uh, and you've elaborated on that that those categories. and And just so everyone knows, I've used a lot of your material in when I was teaching at UMass Lowell, teaching physical therapy students how to design programs, and we would talk about an aging population. I used a, a lot of your materials to try to explain to people what these categories are. And we're going to jump into those categories in a minute. But um, you mentioned the last time we spoke a great story. It was really phenomenal that, that people are going to be able to connect with because this gentleman is known the world over. And uh, could you tell me and tell us the Nelson Mandela story yeah absolutely so uh it's it's from uh there are several different biographies on it but i take this story from everybody matters by gary thomas um and and i love the story because when we think of a man who basically has his 40s 50s and 60s taken from him through incarceration and i think most of us would agree incarceration that was not deserved um, but you know, you live oh, in, course, yeah. in South Africa and I think <laughs> yeah. most of us know that his incarceration didn't include a weight room. There was no rec time, you know, like he, he, he might've had some physical labor, uh, that he was required to do, but these were not good prison conditions. And I'm sure even his food was probably not adequate. Um, and so if, if, I mean, let's be honest, if you were to do this to me, Art, at my age and say, Hey, Dan Ritchie, good luck. We'll see you when you're 72. Um, I really don't think we would expect that much out of me. Right? In fact, <laughs> it would be I devastating. Think, yeah, yeah. I think we would expect most people to, to, to give up, right? Um, if not, have their spirit broken. Uh, for sure, not come out of prison at 72 um, ready to lead their nation. And so, in fact, when you think about it, he comes out of prison at 72, spending most of his adult life in prison. He should have been. Uh, beyond some disability thresholds, right? He should have been frail. He should have been weak. He should have been to the point where he's like, well, you know what? I'm glad they let me out to, to live my last 10 years under a free South Africa, but not to have any energy left. But he doesn't come out that way, right? He comes out vigorous. He comes out strong. He comes out ready to transform the world, uh, becomes president of South Africa at the age of 75 or 76, yeah, which is just daunting, just, right? He uh, goes on to win the Nobel Peace Prize, lives to 95 years old. In fact, he just had his 100th birthday uh, a few weeks ago. But the reality is none of that would have happened um, 
if he had not been exercising in prison, right? If he had given up, if he had had the mindset of, well, my life has been taken from me, I'm never going to have an opportunity. He didn't have that mindset. In fact, there are some some co-inmates who said he drove us nuts, right? They, they basically were driven nuts by him running in place and running laps in their small cell together. Um, when he was in large enough cells with other inmates, he would do push-ups and sit-ups, run in place, run laps in his cell. He he kept himself ready, so if he ever did get an opportunity, he'd be physically able. And so the the takeaway from that story, I know most people listening are like, well, I'm, I'm never going to be a Nobel Peace Prize winner. I'm not going to become president of my country. I get that, right? But the takeaway is, what opportunity might be coming to you in your 70s or 80s that you have no idea is coming? And what are you doing today to make sure you're still going to be ready for it, right? We have exactly. No idea our, what opportunity might come our way 10, 15, 20 years from now. And if we're not doing things to take care of our physical ability, our energy, our vitality, we'll never, ever see those opportunities come to fruition. And so Mandela is just a great example of someone who had every opportunity taken away from him. Um, but when he finally had opportunity in his 70s, he made the most of it. It just really is a great story because not only did he come out, you know, physically able to be, uh, you know, viewed as robust and viewed as, is this man capable of, of leading our nation? Yes, he certainly looks vigorous, but he kept his mind sharp. He didn't come out as defeated, frail, well, this man's not a leader. You, we, we can't put our trust in him. No, he, just the opposite. He was motivational and inspiring, and, and, and it's just the complete opposite of what you would expect for anyone who had been through what he had been through. And so, so he came out ready. And, and ready for an opportunity that he never knew was going to come. You know, there was no guarantee of that, of course. There was no guarantee he was ever going to get out. But when he did, he was ready. It's just a phenomenal story. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's one of the big big takeaways, right, is, is will you be ready? Um, you know, my uh, it's, it's not that far from home for me because my grandmother, at 80 years old, decided to go to Pakistan to teach Afghan refugee women that were coming across the border in droves, decided to, to sign up to teach English as a second language, right? Wow. 80, 81, 82 years old, right? Now, she's never going to win a Nobel Peace Prize. Nobody's ever going to recognize her for that sort of service or any of those sorts of things. But it just makes me realize, like, people can do all sorts of wild and crazy things in their 70s, 80s, even 90s, but they have to be physically ready and physically able. Exactly. Exactly. So let's let's talk about that. It's a great transition. The how do you know where you stand? Maybe you know all of us know what we're capable of. I certainly, you and I certainly can't do the things that we were able to do even a decade ago or previous. So um, you know, coming coming from a sports background, that that ship has sailed. We all know that. You said at the beginning, but where we compare to what we should be able to do is a very distinctive, very well-researched type of scale. Can you talk to me about that that functional scale that uh, you've uh, written so much about? Um, well, uh, it's, it's certainly going to vary for, for people, right? But when we, when we look at, at, at really uh, functional fitness assessments, it, it changes with every decade, right? Mm-hmm. What I expect a 50-year-old to do versus a 60-year-old versus a 70-year-old does change, right? Um, but we're, we're really, we're looking for, you know, can people still, for our perspective, we get down to what is it that you need to do, like to do and want to do art. Right. And so 
we say on on that scale, right, is Art able to do all the things he enjoys doing, right? And so when we look at sort of the, the hierarchy of, of what we call physical function, right, not, not everyone wants to be an elite athlete, you know, later in life, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Art, Art, you might be the exception to that, right? You might want to still compete, um, you know, later in life and, and things like the National Senior Games, uh, might interest you, you know, if you say, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna take these these two torn patella quad tendons and see what they can do, right? I mean, you right. can get out there and compete, and there are elite athletes, right? The vast majority of us, though, are like, you know what? That, those days are behind me. I don't I don't need the elite athlete, but I do want the fully fit, right? And so, right. so that's level, that's, so you have elite, and then you have fully fit. Yeah, the fully fit is, is really where most people really would strive to be, you know, these are people that, you know, they can go water skiing, they can go downhill skiing, they can play tennis, they can do horseback riding, pretty much anything, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, you want to go, you know, do it, you know, sure, let's go do it, right? Um, there's really not a, a limit to what they can do. Um, now, some people, they're not even that quite motivated, right? They're like, I don't want to water ski or downhill ski, <laughs> right? I just want to be able to play with my grandkids and go to the park and hike and, and maybe play tennis or golf, right? So they're in that, what we call semi-fit category right like they can do most activities right but you're probably not gonna see them enter a triathlon or a marathon or anything like that right they're like yeah i'm not gonna do anything crazy right like sure but i can go out and play tennis or golf or things like that um so we've got the elite athlete which really is a very small percentage um the fully fit the semi-fit and then we get into what we call the independent categories and there's really a, a, a couple categories uh, of independence. If we even think about uh, people that are independent, it's, it's sort of like we have um, real high level of independent people, right? Like they have no trouble doing pretty much anything, right? They can climb stairs, they can carry stuff up and down stairs, they can throw their grandchild over their shoulder, um, but they're not really in that fit category, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They're not regular exercisers, they're probably not ready to go out and play tennis, um, but they're, they're totally independent. And then we have the light independent, and, and these are people we tend to depict doing things like cooking at home, right? You know, so they're certainly cooking and cleaning for themselves. They can do all their activities of basic living. Um, they might start to have trouble carrying laundry up and down stairs, right? They're, they're not as robust independent. They're certainly not carrying their grandchildren around. They probably would have some trouble getting up and down from the floor, but they're totally independent, right? Like they don't need help from anyone. Right, um, right. They're, they're not even, like you and I would never see them and go, gee, that person looks like they're a little frail. That, we'd never think that, right? I mean, they're, they're totally independent. They're, they're having everyone over for Thanksgiving and they're cooking the meal, right? Um, okay, yeah. So then we move from that category to what we call pre-frail. And these are the people we're absolutely seeing have crossed several disability thresholds, right? Going up and down stairs, big challenge. Um, Taking a, a, a walk for more than a quarter of a mile, big challenge. Getting in and out of a chair, big challenge. Uh, might need a cane, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're definitely like, boy, this person's really starting to struggle. In fact, these tend to be the people that we're having the conversations with, you know, like, mom, dad, is it time to consider moving out of your home? We're kind of worried about you. You might fall at home. They may have fallen recently, right? And so we've shifted a long ways from the, the fully fit and semi-fit you know, we're way, way, way down the chain from independent, right? Um, and then from pre-frail, we move right into frail and then to dependent. So the frail, I mean, this is the person that's, you know, obviously using a cane or a walker. They're definitely a fall risk. They probably have fallen, 
in the last six months. Um, probably have osteoporosis, you know, all the markers of frailty. Um, and if they don't do something uh, pretty quickly, um, their, their physical decline is going to be significant to the point which they may be in their last uh, couple of years of quality of life. Now, some people will live in frail and dependent for years, um, which is really the, the downside of growing old poorly is that we have this long span of morbidity where we're, we're very weak, we're very limited in our abilities, and we're very dependent, and, and we can live that way for many years. And then, of course, dependent are people that have moved to a level where they have to have help, right? Whether that's in their home or in a nursing home, they literally have so many uh, activities of daily living they cannot do on their own, right? Like they probably can't cook for themselves, they can't clean for themselves, they might even need help uh, dressing themselves. They're very dependent, um, which of course is, is really not a stage that any of us want to move, right. move to. And the, the reality is we don't really have to move to any of those last three. Uh, in fact, really the goal is for people to live really, really well and, and die in the independent state, right? Still fully independent, right? That we don't have to. And I think sometimes people are think, well, when I, when I, and I run into trainers all the time, they think, well, I thought growing old meant you had to become pre-frail, frail and dependent, right? You, you don't have to, right? I mean, people live into their 90s and, and even hundreds completely independent and then they just die, right? Their life just ends. Right. Or they might experience what we call a really compressed uh, morbidity, right? They're, they're sick for maybe two to three weeks, right? Howard, sure. Howard was an excellent client of mine in the independent category. I wouldn't have really called him semi-fit anymore, uh, even though you would have loved this guy, Art. He was the strongest 95-year-old <laughs> ever trained. That's awesome. so strong, right? Of course, <laughs> he didn't think he was strong, right? He's like, I'm nothing compared to what I was, you know, 40 years ago. And I'm like, yeah, but for 95, you're just, it was stronger than most of our 60-year-olds. Um, That's phenomenal. He was totally independent, came in, trained a couple times a week. And uh, one week he didn't show up, you know. And I was like, what the heck? He's, you know, never missed, you know, never without calling, you know. So I call his wife, Dee Dee, and I'm like, hey, what, where's where's Howard, you know. She's like, oh, he got pneumonia last weekend, and he's, he's been down, and he's, he's in the hospital for a couple of days. I'm like, okay. Call back a couple of days later, he died. Wow. Like, what? Jeez. Compressed morbidity, right? Yeah. He was totally independent. Seven days later, he was gone, right? And wow. five years old. And that's really what we want when we look at the functional aging trajectory. We think about how can I stay independent for the rest of my life and never cross disability thresholds? And then I just die, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to spend years dependent, frail, weak. Um, having other people take care of me, and, and that's that's really the goal. I think that's a that that last bit there was probably a revelation to people is that they don't have to necessarily pass through those stages on the way down. Um, mm-hmm. That that maintaining that independent is a great goal for that that the over eighty over eighty five crowd, if you will. That they say, you know what? Why not? Why why, why do I have to accept this pre frail frail dependent path? along the way. I mean, great stuff, Deanna. And obviously you've, you've, um, you've got this down to a, to a fine, fine, uh, point in what you do and what the services you provide. I mean, you actually still run a, a facility where people come in still now, right? At, at this age and, and work with you directly. Is that, that's still the case? Yeah. Uh, Miracles Fitness here in, uh, Lafayette, Indiana, just, uh, five minutes from Purdue University. We have about 240 
uh, training clients, um, and uh, we've trained over 2,000 people now in the last 11 years, so it's been a lot of fun. That's great. Um, I, I don't directly train clients anymore, but I have six full-time uh, functional aging specialists that uh, train our clients uh, Monday through Saturday, and, uh, and we still have just amazing stories of, of people doing stuff all around the world, and you know, the vast majority of our clients are, are training for some next adventure, right? Whether it's to go to Australia and, and climb the, the bridge at Sydney or it's to, to climb Mount Kilimanjaro with their daughter or, you know, who knows what um, it is they want to do. And some of it's just as simple as I want to take the grandkids to Disney World and, and wear them out instead of them wearing <laughs> right. me out. Right. Um, it's all, all over the place, but it's a lot of that's great. That's fantastic. And a lot of this is, I'm sure, in your approach is summarized. You have a, you have a book that, that covers all of this. Can you tell people uh, if they want to find out more about you and, and, and your approach, where do they track that down? Yeah. So um, is that something you're going to be able to put in the show notes so they can get the link? Because I don't want to have to try to give people the link. Absolutely. Now, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that just so the folks listening, there will be in a text version, the transcripts of this show will be the link to the book, so you'll have access to it. Um, well, what's the what's the uh, name of the book? Well, we we actually have we actually have two books that I, I'd love to reference. Um, so we we have uh, a free ebook called the the Big Book of Functional Exercises, which uh, is why I said you're gonna have to put the link in the show notes because the link's too crazy. Um, and sure. that's, that's a free ebook. Um, and, and one of the things I love about it, Art, is we have um, fitness models, if you want to call them models, in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 70s, and 80s. I don't know how we missed the 60s. <laughs> um, and so we try to hit every decade. We try to show, like, look, people in their 30s can do these things, but hey, people in their 80s can do these things. And look what this guy in his late 70s can do. And, and we show all sorts of different functional exercises. And when you see them, you're like, some of them, you're like, that's an exercise? And it's like, yeah, it's called a good old-fashioned get-up, right? I mean, literally, he's laying down on the floor, and he gets up, right? And then we show him do it with a dumbbell in his hand, right? And and we just show different levels of getting out of a chair and getting out of a chair with a weighted object and climbing stairs and climbing stairs with a weighted object. So free ebook, um, really simple resource. And then the other one um, is actually our best-selling book on Amazon called Never Grow Old. Uh, and people can find that on Amazon if they just type in Never Grow Old. Um, that's Perfect. Me, me and Cody as well, and uh, we've sold uh, several thousand of those. I don't even know how many of these days, but that's a really nice uh, book that's got pictures in it. If you're someone that likes a physical book in your hands, um, it's a really nice uh, resource and quite affordable on Amazon. I think it's like 12 bucks or something. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely in that old school group that likes to have a physical book in my hand to read right. and reference, you know. <laughs> but I had... Yeah, and I think most of the people listening to this, this uh, podcast would fall into that category. Well, Dan, uh, I want to wrap it up, and I want to thank you very much for your time. I mean, some great insights. I hope this gave some people plenty to think about, especially what trajectory they're on, it's under their control, what category maybe they fall into, and things to look for. All those things, really invaluable. I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love this stuff. Uh, this is an absolute passion of ours. Um, and I, I always tell people you have to um, you have to really start changing your mindset into you know every every day is a gift and there's always a new adventure somewhere down the road. I, I don't know if it's three months from now or three years from now, um, but because of that, you got to be doing stuff to take care of your your physical health. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Invaluable. All right. Uh, Dan Ritchie from the Functional Aging Institute. Dr. Dan Ritchie, I definitely appreciate your time and insights, and we look forward to catching up to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Have a great one.